This is Safe for Work, the Workopolis podcast. Over the course of a three-day weekend, every hour upon hour, we were talking about me and the decision I was going to have to make. Um, So I'm glad we're not divorced from that weekend. (laughs) That's Maddie McKee, our social media manager. (laughs) Well, I should say she's our former social media manager. Maddie recently accepted a job offer in a different industry. Before she left, though, we made Maddie a counteroffer. And even though it's a little awkward, <laughs> we thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about something a little bit tricky. Counteroffers. What they involve, how to offer them, and what you might expect when you accept or reject them. Hi, I'm Sal Chalfi, and this is Safe for Work. Before we get too far into this, though, let's bring in Paige McGarry. Hey, Paige. Hi. We should probably make sure everybody knows what we mean when we say counteroffer, right? Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go to our resident expert. Hi, my name is Amy Reich, and I'm the Senior Manager of Human Resources at Workopolis. So we asked Amy to give us the quick and dirty definition of a counteroffer. So a counteroffer could occur when an employee resigns from their position, and the employer might take the perspective of wanting to retain that employee. So they may make some determinations if they are able to counteroffer something to their employee to get them to stay with the company. Later, we're going to talk to Amy about counteroffers from an employer's perspective, and we'll talk to a recruiter for some tips for employees. But first, let's go back to Maddie. Okay. <laughs> so, if you don't mind, a few questions. <laughs> Were you expecting a counteroffer? That's a hard question to answer because if you had have asked me a month ago, would I be expecting a counteroffer? No. I think at the time, the way that the timing worked as a company, I was expecting something to come back and I like to think that I was valued as an employee so I was expecting and hoping that something would come back Mm. Um, but I never want to be presumptuous so it wasn't like I was relying on it but if the opportunity presented itself I was I wanted to put it forth that it was an option for sure. Were you frustrated though that some of these extra perks and benefits were only offered to you once you know you were resigning or you get the threat of you resigning was out there? Mm-hmm. I wasn't, honestly, because we had had conversations about my career progression, um, and I knew that something was on the horizon for me later on down the road. Um, unfortunately, it had to come to me getting another <laughs> offer for it to come a lot faster than it would have, but I knew it was coming anyway, so it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't, oh, I'm undervalued, or you're not looking at what I'm doing. I don't. I, I, there were no hard feelings that it came later, because I knew it was coming down the line. So did you prepare to have those kind of conversations? Um Yes and no. Like obviously, there's a lot of materials out there online that help you understand or how to have those conversations or what to ask for, what to look for. But when you just lay your cards out on the table, I was expecting that Workopolis would come back with something. I didn't know what that was, so it's hard to prepare for something like that. But um, I kind of had to have a conversation with myself internally of, okay, well, if they come back with this, and if it's if it's as good or j- almost as good, would it help me stay or would it make me stay? Mm-hmm. It was a lot of just laying out the pros and cons on both, you know, what was right for me in my career progression, what made sense for us from a financial perspective. Vacation is obviously important to me. Mm -hmm. So was that a factor? Um, Who would I be working with in um, the industry that I'd be working in as well? So it was just laying out all that information. I don't think it's a mistake and it wasn't, if I had have accepted, it wouldn't have been a mistake on my part because I am happy here and I love my job. I love my coworkers. I love the company. It just so happened that I was getting a better opportunity somewhere else. Full disclosure here, 
Uh, I once got a job offer from what is now one of the fastest growing tech companies in Canada. My company at the time made a counter offer and I accepted. And within three weeks, I regretted it. And I regret it to this day, in fact. So the, is this a mistake question is a big one for me. So I took it to another expert. I think it totally depends on the situation. This is Jillian. My name is Jillian Singerman. I am a senior recruiter at Creative Circle. So I asked Jillian about some of the things people should consider and if there's a way to make sure you're making the right decision. So if we want to put a year on it, I mean, five plus years, I think, you know, you can leave the company, you've done enough at the company. Five years or less, um, you know, you want more money, you want to play around a little. I also think um, it depends if someone approaches you. So if a recruiter writes you an email, tries to pull you from your current situation, mm -hmm. that um, is a factor versus like were you seeking the role. If you're seeking the role, you're obviously seeking the role for a reason, so you want to leave your current situation. Right. Um, obviously, if you're tempted by money, if a recruiter reaches out to you, that plays a big part. In your line of work, is this something that you hear about often? Are there a lot of your clients that, that end up getting counteroffers from their current companies? I'd say about two in ten. It doesn't happen as often as the question is asked. Okay. And in your experience, are there industries where this is more common place? I'd say finance, insurance, pharma, usually the, um, the bigger companies. Okay, and yeah. is that because the industries are more competitive? Or? Oh, for sure, Okay. yes. What are the kind of pros and cons of someone accepting a, a job offer? So pros, more money, you might get more responsibilities, you might get better vacation package, a better benefits package, if that's what you were looking for. Mm -hmm. um, you'll also, in a sense, feel more valued. If you accept a counteroffer, you know that you are valued and that your current company wants to keep you. Um, I think the cons or disadvantages of that is, are you, are you worried about people trusting you? Right, yeah. so that brings up a lot trust of... Trust is a big thing. And, and trust in what way? Is it just like straining work relationships or changing expectations? Well, straining work relationships, but also is your higher up or is your boss always gonna think that you're looking? Are they gonna think that money is the answer to everything? So you might not want to make it all about money. You might want to be, you know, mm -hmm. it, it should be about responsibility. It should be about growth. If it's about growth, great. Yeah. That shows that you want to stay at the company. You just were tempted by something else. I think honesty is the best policy. Okay. Well, in, the, in, in that vein, though, so should you be negotiating a counteroffer? Um, I think, you know, it depends. If you're at your current company and you are offered something else at 20,000, 10,000, 15,000 more. Right. Your current company, if they want you to stay, should at least match it. Mm -hmm. If they want you to stay, how, you know, how badly do they want you to stay? Um, I wouldn't expect them to go zero to 10K more, or one to 10K more than that. Mm -hmm. um, it also depends, it's the five year rule. Were you seeking it? If, have you been at the company for five years? Have things been stale? Do you love the people? I think that says a lot. Okay. And are there other things that uh, people can negotiate in the counteroffer? It's not always about money. Like yes, not about money. I mean, vacation, yeah. benefits. A big thing these days is flexible work hours, off-site, on-site schedule. Mm -hmm. So many candidates that I speak to about full-time jobs, where, of course, the common, uh, the common thoughts on this are a full-time job is 40 hours, right. give or take, in office a week. Um, so many candidates when it comes to full-time jobs these days say, 
can I have two days from home? I live, you know, an hour from the office. Right. Can I have some remote days? Okay. So what are some of the things that people should consider when they do accept, when they do get a, a counteroffer? Um, treat everyone professionally. I think whether you accept it or reject it, um, just make sure that, you know, it, it, it could hurt if you're working with this company, they offer you what you've asked for, and then all of a sudden they hear that you're gonna stay mm -hmm. at your current place. Um, a lot, and I've been in this situation where candidates have gotten everything they've wanted and then just ghosted. Yeah, so yeah. that, I totally understand you have to do what's good for you, we're all professional. Um, if you want to accept something and want to stay where you are because they offered you the same amount of money or a better package, totally. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be heartbroken. Yeah. I'm, you know, in the matchmaking <laughs> business. Um, but just make sure you thank everyone involved. You back out in in a professional manner. Don't burn any bridges. You never know where you're going to cross this path again. I think it depends on age. Also, really? if you are new, if you are new in your career and you're just money, 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 you know. That says a lot. Right. I think the more years of experience you have, the more networking you're going to have done, the more people you're going to have met. So I think that you do not want to step on toes, burn bridges. Just be as honest and straightforward as right. you can be. The scenario where a recruiter reaches out to, to uh, a yeah. you know, candidate, yeah. do, do you know, have you heard of people that often that use that kind of scenario as a bluff to get something more out of their current company? Yeah, I mean, I've been in this situation plenty of times where I'll reach out to someone and they just want to entertain it. Um, okay. We get the client excited that maybe we found a perfect candidate mm -hmm. and it was, you know, never serious to the candidate. Okay. They just wanted to know how much money they can get out of it. They wanted to know, you know, it's, it, it was more of a game to that person, which is very unfortunate because you're playing with, you know, a lot of people right. in the situation. Um, but yes, I've, I've reached out to plenty of people that um, wanted to hear more, but by no means were interested. Ah, the bluff question. Um, I'm a terrible poker player, Paige, and I think I'm also a little bit naive when it comes to this type of thing. <laughs> I, you know, I would never create a job offer to try to get more out of a current employer. Uh, but it, I guess people do it. Yeah, what? I mean, it seems really risky to me um, from both sides of the desk, actually. You know, from an employee point of view, if the boss calls your bluff and doesn't offer you a counteroffer and then you actually have to leave or worse, take back your resignation letter, which seems pretty unprofessional. Right. But from the employer's, employer's point of view, if you think your employee is bluffing and you call them on it by not offering a counteroffer, you're just going to lose them. They shouldn't bank on it being a bluff. They should take every resignation seriously. That's our friend Amy again. Hi, Amy. Hi, Paige. Uh, Paige sat down with Amy to get some insights into counteroffers from the HR perspective. Um, there's also been times where I've seen employees try to use an, an offer letter from another employer as a tactic to try to get movement on the existing agreement that they have with their employer. And the employers, um, you know, it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth at times, so they may not be receptive of that and other times it may work. When would you say an employer should use a counteroffer? I think if the employee that has decided to depart from the organization is top talent, the employer should really take into consideration retaining that employee so that their knowledge, information, training that they've obtained within that company doesn't walk out the door with the individual. 
So it should really be used for top talent and star players. In some smaller companies where there may be a smaller workforce, the retention of employees could be paramount to the operations of the business. In larger organizations where you may have multiple employees fulfilling the same job function, it may not occur as often, but I think it really depends on the talent, the caliber of the individual, and whether or not the employer wants to and is able to retain that employee. What makes for a winning counteroffer? Is it all about the money or? No, definitely not. I think money as a motivator only goes so far. Today, candidates are looking more for that well-rounded offer, so not only the dollars and cents, but also the perks that come with the job. Um, some of the more intrinsic rewards, like is the work motivating? Do they gain value out of the work that they're doing? Is it in line with their career path? And benefits as well, while it comes as a cost to employers, employees really value different types of benefit packages, um, especially depending if someone is single or married with children, there could be different types of benefits that would be more attractive to one individual over another. So I think the full package is what um, employees are really looking for today. Okay, so if if an employee accepts a counteroffer, what happens next? I, I read a stat recently that said that 50% of employees that take a counteroffer from their existing employer can end up regretting it after a few months and end up leaving anyway. What can employers do to avoid this kind of counteroffer remorse? I think that they should be having fluid conversations with the individual and really nailing down the reasons why they chose to go and interview and seek employment elsewhere. Are there things that they are currently not happy with in their current offer letter? Are there things that they're not happy with within the organization, within their job, within their team? I think it, it really comes down to more than just money in a lot of cases. And people are also looking for that, that great culture, the great fit within the organization, within their job, ensuring that there is a career path available for future development and growth. So I think having a well-balanced, transparent conversation to get to the root of a lot of the issues that the employee may be experiencing can go a long way to make sure that this isn't just a Band-Aid solution, you're looking for longevity out of this employee and if you're willing to come back to the table and offer them more and you are committing to them as an employer that the employee is recommitting themselves to you. So if they don't accept the offer, what what should an employer do in that situation? How do they bow out gracefully? How do they make sure that they're not leaving a bad taste in anyone's mouth? I think it's important not to be resentful towards anyone. I mean, people need to be free agents and decide where they want to work and, and where they want to sell their labor and for how much and what that involves. So being happy for individuals and letting them know that they were valued and wishing them well goes a long way. Just like how employees never want to burn their bridges with an employer, employers should also be careful not to burn their bridges with employees because oftentimes employees and employers do find themselves working together again down the road. Even if it's not for the same employer, they, they could have a working relationship together at some point in their career. So I think it's really good to always end things on a positive note, not take things personally, but wish people well and wish them success in their career endeavors. What about the rest of the team? I mean, you hope that 
this kind of nuanced negotiation stays quiet, but people do talk. What happens if the rest of the team finds out that you were offering someone a, you know, a $10,000 raise to stay, or even if they don't know the number, if a person accepts a counteroffer, they know that a raise was offered, or you know, even if they, if they don't accept the offer, this whole, this whole negotiation can potentially leave some misgivings with the rest of the team. How do you address this? Yeah, that can be very challenging. I mean, you always want to ensure that employees do maintain confidentiality of these types of discussions, but it doesn't always happen. So if the information does leak back to the rest of the team and there become questions or conversations from other team members in terms of what somebody else was offered, the best thing you can do is shut it down as quickly as possible. Let people know that individual merit needs to be taken into consideration and that confidentiality needs to be maintained and individuals need to be shown respect just as those individuals who are coming with these questions would want to be shown respect. So I think it's it's not good to engage with these types of questions, but you do need to quickly and respectfully shut down the conversations before you find yourself giving away too much information and then you have resentment from other team members or you have you know, a mass exodus from that team, which could also be detrimental. Are there any common negotiation or counteroffer mistakes that often get made throughout this process that you'd encourage our listeners to avoid? Yeah, I think it's really important from the employee side of things not to be too greedy. Um, if you're able to go to your employer and, and ask for more in hopes that they will make some changes to your existing offer agreement in the hopes that you'll stay, I don't think it would be appropriate to be asking for more money than, than what the other offer has provided. It, it needs to be kept within scale of your existing job, your existing offer letter, um, what's equitable to the rest of the team. And from the employer perspective, you want to make sure that you're also not lowballing. So if, if an employee comes to you and they're currently making $50,000, for example, and they've been offered another position at another organization, and let's say it's a lateral move and they're offering the individual 60000 for the employer to come back and counter at fifty two fifty three, I don't think you would expect that individual to stay within the team. So I think you need to do what's reasonable, what's in line with your salary scales, and what's doable without overselling or overcommitting. Those are some common mistakes to avoid on both sides of the table. But let's head back to Jillian for her thoughts on what employees should ask themselves in these kinds of situations. Why are you doing it? You, I am a big list person, make a pros and cons list. Like, what do you get out of this if you stay and accept the counter? What do you get out of this if you decide to leave and start something new? Why did you get into the situation in the first place? Why were you looking? You know, yeah. why were you interested if a recruiter reached out to you and gave you all of these fun new details about a new job? Those are all good questions to ask when you're weighing a counter offer. But in the end, it really comes down to one thing. What do you really want? Here's Maddie again. I think that you need to have an idea before you go into it, what would keep you and what would make you leave. Obviously, emotion is hard to take out of the equation because you wanna like where you're working every day and you wanna like who you're working with and for. Um, but there are other factors that come with a job. So if you're getting a 10K raise from a company 
to move on and your current company offers you 8K, is that enough to make you stay or does that $2,000 really matter to you? And having that laid out on paper before you go into these discussions will help you make that, it, it'll make the discussion easier because the emotion is taken out of it and you've already laid out for yourself what, what your lines are and what your limitations are. Just one final note, we have a lot of material and advice on our blogs. Uh, job seekers, visit careers.workopolis.com. And if you're an employer or a small business owner, visit hiring.workopolis.com and click on blog. Safe for Work is produced by me, Sal Chalfi, Paige McGarry, Andrea Grech, and Sonia Matheson. Theme music by the band Code Pine. You've been listening to Safe for Work, the Workopolis podcast. 